the second of this now four-part episode, we will continue and enrich our exploration of what mindfulness and mindfulness meditation are by reflecting on the words of modern masters of practice. Considering and contemplating mindfulness through a variety of expressions, a variety of viewpoints, we begin to appreciate the fluidity, the flexibility, the richness of the practice. At the same time, even amongst the diversity of descriptions, we recognize an essence, an underlying and essential quality of what mindfulness is. Listening to the words we hear beyond them, and the essence of what they are seeking to communicate becomes more clear. This is Living Wisdom. Found in Translation Knowing the definition of mindfulness is helpful, but it is not the point. After all, if simply knowing the definition of mindfulness led to happiness, led to freedom, led to you feeling less stress and more satisfying relationships, you wouldn't need a mindfulness teacher. You'd just need a dictionary. What's more, in the last decade, one of the most illuminating activities I've engaged in is reading and comparing translated works. Mind you, this is all very informal. I'm not a trained academic, not a scholar, just a human being with a mind and heart that yearns for understanding. What I discovered in translation was that whether it was the poetry of Li Po, or Rilke, or Cold Mountain, or texts such as the Tao Te Ching, or the Tibetan Book of the Dead, that in just the same way a kaleidoscope, given the gentlest shift, changes its entire expression, that language, laid just so, shifting even a single word, can make a line, an idea, or a text suddenly accessible, relevant, resonant, unlocking the joy of insight and understanding. This having been my experience, I wanted to offer this collection of musings on mindfulness as shared by contemporary masters of the practice. My hope is that by hearing a number of views, a variety of descriptions, you may find one or two that speak to you and your experience, that make the practice seem tangible and relevant, and so inspire you to explore further. Another benefit, a deeper aspect of this approach, is that when we hear and contemplate a variety of viewpoints, we can begin to attune to the essence of the words, the truth and reality the words are pointing to, rather than becoming tangled in and attached to the words themselves. Hearing to speak, hearing to listen. Have you ever asked someone their opinion 
not because you actually wanted to hear it, but because you wanted to express your own. There are any number of reasons this might happen. One is that we grew up or learned in a context where sharing our thoughts without asking about another's was frowned upon. Another is that we were raised in a context where outwitting or outsmarting others was valued, and so we spent a great deal of time rehearsing our social interactions, afraid to misspeak, and so be seen as anything other than perfect. In such a circumstance, we open to hear, say, the first third, the first half of what someone says. And then, because we think we know the rest of what they're going to say, or because a thought of how to respond comes to mind, we stop listening. We're just waiting to speak. I'm not calling anyone out here. In fact, I understand this motivation so clearly because I practiced it for decades. I'm simply wanting to point out that these same habits of carrying an opinion, a preconceived notion, and just waiting for the opportunity to impose it on what we are learning is another form of hearing to speak as opposed to hearing to listen. It's like living in a house wishing to feel a fresh breeze, but the minute we hear the breeze pick up, we close all the doors and windows. The moment we stop listening is the moment we stop learning. We close off the opportunity for newness, for a refreshing breeze of insight. When we are exploring a new topic, it can be of tremendous benefit to recognize if we have this habit of hearing to speak. Recognizing that tendency, we can then practice a new way of hearing, hearing to listen. This means that, as best we can, we set aside preconceived notions and expectations. We set aside biases, set aside what we've heard before and so think we know, set aside the wish to either challenge or one-up or even to validate. We see if we can explore listening in an open way, in a fresh way, as if hearing about the topic for the first time. Because if you're new to the practice, isn't that in fact the case? We are sitting in our house. We hear the breeze picking up and we smile. Shortly, a breeze, light and fresh, will be passing through. Listening completely. Commonly, we think hearing is limited to our ears. But this is not so. In fact, each of our five senses, and even the body itself, all of these are a kind of hearing, a means for attuning to the experience of life within and even beyond the boundaries of the body. In his book, The Pocket Guide to Polyvagal Theory, scientist Stephen Porges points out that the brain has more information coming into it than it is sending out. And teacher Reggie Ray 
points out that our best understanding at this point tells us that only 0.00001% of information that the body receives ever reaches our conscious awareness. The body is attuning to and communicating to us all kinds of information, albeit in sensation rather than words. As such, our understanding of a topic, of ourselves, and of our life is as dependent on and as influenced by our somatic and emotional responses as our cognitive understanding. And it was Maya Angelou who pointed out, People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But they will never forget how you made them feel. So in addition to learning about mindfulness in a wordful way, in a cognitive way, see if you can let what follows be an exercise of listening completely. As much as you can, you attune to the words that are spoken, but can you also attune to, can you invite the input of, how the body responds to what is said? Can you notice emotionally how you feel as the words unfold? Lamps of Living Wisdom Modern Masters on Mindfulness What follows are quotes from teachers whose wisdom and practice spans decades. While I initially included descriptions of the traditions the teachers were associated with, I ultimately decided that this was likely a distraction. Selections are listed in order of publication date. If selections were published the same year, they occur in alphabetical order. And if a selection couldn't be dated, it was placed at the end of the group in alphabetical order. After each selection, each quote, there will be a gap of about one minute. I wanted this episode to provide both the opportunity for encountering and contemplating the words of these teachers. To really draw the most out of this exercise, use the gap to consider. Consider repeating in your mind words, key phrases, or themes that caught your attention. Consider how certain words or descriptions affected your body, your emotions, your thoughts, or perceptions. Or reflect on how a certain aspect of the practice could be relevant, helpful, or even nourishing to you in your daily life. From Rick Hansen Being mindful simply means having good control over your attention. You can place your attention wherever you want, and it stays there. When you want to shift it to something else, you can.
from Thich Nhat Hanh. We practice mindfulness in order to realize freedom, peace, and joy in our everyday lives. Freedom and happiness are linked to each other. If there is freedom, there is happiness. And greater freedom brings greater happiness. From John Kabat-Zinn, mindfulness is essentially about relationality. In other words, how we are in relationship to everything, including our own minds and bodies, our thoughts and emotions, our past and what has transpired to bring us still breathing into this very moment, and how we can learn to live our way into every aspect of our life with integrity, with kindness toward ourselves and others, and with wisdom. From Sharon Salzberg. Straightforward and simple, but not easy. Mindfulness is essentially training our attention so that we can be more aware, not only of our inner workings, but also of what's happening around us in the here and now. Once we see clearly what's going on in the moment, we can then choose whether and how to act on what we're seeing. From Joseph Goldstein. The most common understanding of mindfulness is that of present moment awareness, presence of mind, wakefulness. Mindfulness is the quality of bare attention, of non interfering awareness. From Lama Rod Owens. Radical presence is the practice of authenticity, 
which is the practice of staying true to oneself. It implies that what we say or do is in accord with our truest desires and aspirations. Authenticity is about embracing my unique personality as it manifests in the world. Authenticity is the conscious choice to be true to my own experience and the struggle of being attentive and patient with how my experience has been shaped by factors both in and out of my control. from George Mumford. Mindfulness meditation involves sitting still, quieting the mind through conscious breathing, and practicing what's called bare awareness. Bare awareness in the context of mindfulness meditation is the simple act of being aware, of noticing the thoughts in your mind or the sensations in your body in the present moment. from Shauna Shapiro. Mindfulness is intentionally paying attention with kindness. And transformation is possible through kind attention. Kindness gives us the courage to look at those parts of ourselves we don't want to see. from Pachak Rinpoche and Eric Solomon. As long as we are looking for happiness in circumstances, we'll waste a good deal of our time and energy, hoping for the good and fearing the bad. Instead of being stuck on this seesaw, we can free ourselves from the ups and downs of hope and fear by relearning where to put our attention. Instead of wandering wherever our thoughts take us, chasing one thought after another and another, we can retrain our attention to remain more and more in the present moment. That way, when good things happen, we'll be better able to enjoy them. And when disaster strikes, we can still be okay.
from Angel Kyoto Williams. You, just as you are, and your life here, right now, are all there is and all you need to know. You don't have to do anything special. Mostly, you have to open to meeting face-to-face and even dancing with the truth that pertains to your life right now. You have to find a way to collect your fractured pieces, examine them, and then accept them as part of who you are. Spiritual practice is about transformation, but it's also, and more importantly, about working with what is. Conclusion Was there something you heard just now that you hadn't heard before, hadn't considered? Is there a voice you now feel pulled to connect with and explore more deeply? If so, wonderful. Knowing the definition of mindfulness is helpful, but it is not the point. I hope that as you listen to and contemplated the words offered by these teachers, that, just as a kaleidoscope shifting this way and that, you experienced your own perspective shifting, opening, deepening. This is also an excellent opportunity for exploring listening completely, which is to say, listening with our whole being, body, mind, and emotions beginning to trust the body, to trust our emotions, for orienting us toward that which is nourishing, interesting, and inspiring. Closing Our introduction and closing music is Makino from the EP Closer by recording artist R.A.C. To deepen your understanding and access more resources related to mindfulness, to review a transcript of this episode, or to view the podcast episode's guide, visit livingwisdompodcast.com. Brandon leads weekly mindfulness classes on Sunday and Monday evenings from 6.30 to 7.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Information on how to register can also be found at livingwisdompodcast.com.